Thank you, Anton, and good morning. I greet you today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I invite you again, please, to join me in prayer just before our message for today. Our Father, how we thank you that we can sing this glorious truth that you are the one who still reigns, and you reign supreme. You are the great God of the universe, and beside you there is no true God. And so this morning we bow before you in humble acknowledgement of the fact that you are God and we are not. Father, we pray now that as your word is open and you, the mighty God of the universe, speaks to us through your word, that we might listen. We might have open hearts, open minds, that we might be willing to receive whatsoever you would say to us. We pray, our Father, for this country of ours, this nation. We pray that once again we might acknowledge that you are indeed still on the throne and Jesus Christ is right there with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My friends, the world is in a mess. Everything seems to be going downhill fast. Or to use a common expression with a slight change, we are going to Hades in a handbasket. Moral chaos is all around us. It's true worldwide. It's true here in the Bahamas. Every sphere of our society and culture is becoming more corrupt every day. Lawlessness abounds in our streets. Everyone seems to be doing what is right in their own eyes. There appears to be no fear of God in anyone, anymore, at any time. All restraints are being tossed aside. Disregard for integrity, for dignity, for respect, and honor, and even basic morality pervades every area of our society and culture. Now, much evidence, in fact, evidence abounds to substantiate that this is in fact the case. And because the Bible says judgment must begin in the household of God, let's take a look at the state of the church in general and right here in the Bahamas. Spiritually unqualified, self-appointed pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets and prophetesses inaccurately and improperly use the word for personal prestige, profit, and just general profiteering. Pastors are being taken before the courts for stealing, for immorality, and even for human trafficking. And some are still in the pulpit, living high on the hog while getting paid by parishioners who can hardly make ends meet in a depressed economy. Christians are suing one another. Churches are fighting in courts for ownership of property paid for by their members. 
Hollywood and Las Vegas style attainment are now being billed as worship. Many who parade themselves as angels of light are what Paul calls huskus of the word of God. And they're causing the name of God to be blasphemed among the unbelievers. One preacher said recently, and I quote, We are living in a world that hates God and those who preach and practice the truth. People are in rebellion against God's truth and his word. I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. It is true. But it is also true that the word gospel of man is now being substituted for the word and the gospel of God. One seems hardly able to make a distinction today. But chaos, chaos is also evident in government. Government cannot control crime, which, by the way, is the main purpose for there being a government in the first place. Rather, with the help of the opposition, they seem to spend more time and effort talking about one another's sweethearts and their party's supposed accomplishments and who should get credit for the little good that is done rather than speaking about the rampant crime, violence, and immorality that plague our nation. To say nothing about professional integrity, dignity, and decorum. The term honorable gentleman is a lost concept in our halls of parliament today, despite the fact that it is glibly repeated perhaps more often than the word truth, honor, respect, integrity, or dignity. The behavior of our political leaders in and out of the House of Parliament, it is his grace and brings shame upon us before the nations of the world. But there seems to be no desire on the part of the honorable members to do what is honorable. Chaos abounds in our homes and schools. Parents cannot or won't control or discipline their children, which is their major responsibility, by the way. Most seem to spend more time digging themselves further into debt in order to live the so-called good life than building a home that glorifies God. Children won't obey parents or teachers, or for that matter, show respect for anyone, young or old. And there are few models for our young people to follow and to look up to today. Our children become mothers and fathers even before many of them can read and right. And I'm not referring to age alone, for after all, why study if you know you're going to get recognized and be applauded for just showing up to agitate your teachers? One wonders how many of the graduates of our public schools especially can even read the diploma that they receive. Now I know that some of you will be quick to say that I'm too critical that I'm describing extremes and normalizing the exception. But friends, if we are going to be honest, we must admit that what were exceptions a decade ago are the norm today. Our world, our society, our nations are in a terrible, chaotic mess. And nothing or no one seems to be able to stop the downward momentum to apparent moral and spiritual oblivion. Pretty picture, isn't it? 
the question naturally arises, where is God in all of this? Who is in control? Is it man? Is it the devil? Or is it God? Are things really as hopeless as they appear to be and as I have made them out to be? Well, my friends, I'm here to tell you today that Psalm 2 answers these questions without question and tells us exactly what we must do to halt our quick descent to Hades, both here on earth and in eternity to come. Psalm 2 declares to us that God is still on the throne, that he is sovereign over all. And my friends, if there is any time we need to be reminded of that fact, it's now, today. This truth, the fact of the sovereignty of God and that he reigns, this truth and our confidence in that truth brings stability, it brings hope. And it brings blessings to the people of God who believes that there is a God and that he speaks to us in his word. It's a truth of encouragement to us, but it should strike fear in the hearts of the sinners. That's my purpose this morning. To declare to you from the word of God that God is still on the throne. And Jesus Christ is right there with him. My purpose this morning is to declare that the triune God reigns supreme over his creatures. And also that he will hold you and I responsible for our rebellion against him. There is hope, my friends. But it is a conditioned hope. I repeat, there is hope. But it is a conditioned hope. Here then... The word of the living God to rebellious, arrogant sinners who think they are rulers of themselves and rulers of the world rather than God. Why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. My friends, God is looking down at all of the sin and the chaos, and he is taking account. The divine revelation in this psalm begins by stating man's determined resistance against the rule of God in these few verses of this powerful psalm. Four facts stand out in these verses. First, it tells us that the turmoil in the world is caused by man's rebellion and resistance against the rule of God. Divine author asks the question, why do the nations rage? Another translation puts it, why are the nations causing a commotion? The tone is one of incredulity and utter amazing. God is saying, why in the world would the nations be doing such foolish things as they are doing to cause the commotion they are causing? And friends, it's happening right now. Even as it was happening when the psalm was written. This is a prophetic psalm and it speaks to, of the day as well as that day. This is a fact. 
The nations of the world are causing commotion. Look at Iran, Iraq, the Middle East, Africa, China, the EU, the US, Central America. Look at the Bahamas. The whole world is in one big commotion. There is political commotion. Just look at Israel. Look at Africa. Look at the USA. There is economic commotion. Look everywhere. There is religious commotion. Churches are spitting over the gay issue. There is moral commotion. There is educational commotion. There's commotion all over. Listen carefully now, my friends. All of the violence, all of the abuse, the murder, student rebellion that are now plaguing our nation do not have their root cause in poverty, lack of proper parenting, lack of education, or the prevalence of guns and drugs. My friends, these are more mere symptoms of the true cause that now they have to be addressed, but they're just symptoms. But the true cause of all of these commotions that highlights these symptoms is man rebellion against the rule of God in his life as well as in the life of our nation. Our root cause, I say, is spiritual, not psychological, not economic, and not social. It's a united spiritual rebellion against the rule and sovereignty of God. Friends, man does not want God to rule him or the world. Man wants to do so himself. He wants to be his own God. I say again, we are living in a world that hates God and hates those who preach and practice the truth. People are in rebellion against God's truth and the word of God. But the second question arises. Why do the nation rage? Now this highlights the audacity and the brazenness of mankind's rebellion and resistance against the sovereign God. The question is meant to emphasize the futility and foolishness of their useless actions. Do they dare to resist a sovereign, all-powerful God who's able to destroy them in a nano of time? One preacher puts it this way. Spiritual combustion is when depravity is combined with truth to cause a reaction. Did you get that? Spiritual combustion is when depravity is combined with truth to cause a reaction. This is what we see taking place all around us. Human depravity and the truth of God clashing. Mankind in general, and Bahamians in particular, are resisting the truth of a sovereign God. The moral corruption in our nation is the result of open hostility against God and His truth. And I proclaim to you today, my friends, based on the Word of God, that no proposed remedy for our social and cultural ills that does not address the moral depravity of human nature will prove to be effective. 
to stem the tide of violence, immorality, immorality, and raw, rebellious lawlessness that pervades our nation. The depravity of man must be addressed if, these are, if there are going to be any lasting solutions. But third, not only is there a worldwide commotion caused by this rebellion against the rule of God, but the psalmist reveals that this is caused by an unperceived spiritual conspiracy as well. This is revealed in the second question asked in verse 1. And that question is, why do the people imagine a vain thing? The word of God is beautiful, the way it expresses things. Another translation says, why are the countries devising plots that fail? Bluntly put, I would put it in this way. Why are you so dense? Don't you realize that you cannot oppose God and win? It's a losing battle. Nothing you do can or will ever defeat the sovereign God of the universe. Man thinks his actions are motivated by his own free will without any exterior influence especially from the supposed sovereign God of the universe. Man is completely ignorant of the fact that he is being controlled and manipulated by another God, the God of this world, so-called, who is not really a God at all. However, it is this false God who is the source of this worldwide conspiracy against the true God, but mankind, including Bahamians, are totally unaware of this fact. Man is being used and manipulated by the God of the world, but he is completely oblivious to the fact. He's a puppet in the hands of a false God. But fourth, the psalmist says in verse 2 that this conspiracy of rebellion is being carried out with arrogance and contempt. Hear the word of God. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. His anointed in this passage refers to none other than our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. And so the people of the world are collaborating to fight against Jesus Christ, God's appointed, anointed king. Notice, the attitude is not just one of mere indifference to the triune God, but rather it is outright hostility and absolute rebellion. They are defying God deliberately, to put it in our own local context. What are those who say that punishment should fit the crime, saying when it comes to murdering a human being made in the image of God? What are they saying? They're saying... Write it off as a mistake, or the result of a bad environment, or a need for anger management. Let them live in a government-operated hotel for a while. That's Fox Hill. In other words, they would say, upholding the dignity of man by exercising the power of the sword as mandated by the appointed and the anointed one, Jesus Christ, is rejected as being barbarous. What are they doing? They're flying in the face of an omnipotent God. What are those who say marriage is not just for male and female, who were and are created that way in order to reflect the image of God? What are they saying? They're shaking their face, their fist in the face of God's anointed one, and they're saying, we will shape mankind in our own image. 
That's a slap in the face of God. What are those who say that it's okay to maim and steal so that they can have what I want saying when they do these things? They're saying as they look into the face of God's anointed with defiance, let's break off, let's break their bands asunder, let's cast away the cords from us. What are they saying, these criminals, these people who rebel against the law of God and the law of man? They're saying God's laws does not matter. The word of God does not matter. And so they, they sing these words simply bind or prevent us from having our own way. Away with God. Away with His anointed one. Away with Jesus Christ. Away with His word. Away with His church. We will do things our way. That's what our community is saying. Someone has said, this attitude is evidence of spiritual insanity because God is not a bondage God is a bondage breaker, not a bondage bringer. Did you get that? God is a bondage breaker, not a bondage bringer. My friends, I say to you today, it's spiritual insanity to think otherwise. Nonetheless, that's the attitude that Psalm 2 addresses. And Psalm 2 addresses this forcibly. It does not hold back. The omnipotent, sovereign God speaks out himself, and he does not mince words. I say again, we, what we are seeing in our nation today is a combustion of divine truth when it comes face to face with sinful rebellion. The Bible and the church are okay once they don't say adultery and fornication are sinful when expressed in the form of sweethearting and shacking up. The Bible and the church are okay once they don't say that gambling is immoral because it steals from the poor, or that homosexuality and lesbianism are unnatural and should not be practiced in or outside the church. Commotion is started when these self-evident truths from the Word of God are proclaimed. Why? Because they cause a spiritual reaction that causes the sinful nature of man to explode. We have the true and sovereign God and the false usurper to be God of this world clashing head to head in our culture today. This is a reality that is often overlooked when the powers that be seek for answers to the pressing problems that threaten to sink our nation into moral and spiritual oblivion. The psalmist is telling us then that all of the commotion in the world and in our society today is indeed a battle of the culture. But what cultures? It's a battle between the culture of the true God who has always been true and faithful versus the culture of the God of this world who has always been a thief and a liar. The battle today is and always has been between the devil and the true God to see who has the right and authority to rule over the world and to rule over each individual's life. 
This is the cosmic battle our society is reflecting and that Psalm 2 is addressing. Bahamians are attempting to throw off the rule of God over them. That is what is happening. They're saying we do not want to be bound by the word of God. We do not want to be ruled by the word of God away with them. That's why we have all the lawlessness. That's why we have all the immorality around us today. In verses 4 through 6, the psalmist describes the divine response to man's united conspiracy of rebellion against the triune God. Listen to what God of the universe says. He that sits enthroned in the heavens. I love that. He's enthroned. He's, he's not walking around. Oh, I wonder what I can do next. I wonder what I can do with these people. He ain't, he ain't worried about this at all. He sits enthroned in the place of power in the heavens. He shall laugh. I love that. He said that God doesn't have a sense of humor. Read Psalm 2 as he looks at all of these people doing what they think shows that they are in control. He laughs. The Lord shall have them in derision. That's why we have to ask. We wonder what is happening today is actually already a manifestation of the judgment of God. You understand what I'm saying? He will leave them in derision. Then he will speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Now there's two stages of God's response in this passage. First, there is divine derision. One translation puts it this way. The one enthroned in heaven laughs in disgust. The sovereign master, the God of the universe, taunts, taunts these rebellious sinners. He makes fun of them. They think they're ridiculing him. But in actuality, he's ridiculing them. Notice, he sits enthroned in heaven. That's the core of the psalm. The sovereignty of God over mankind in spite of what they're doing. And my friends, if you are a believer, it should bring peace of mind to you and tranquility in the midst of this apparent catastrophe that we face. God is still on the throne and Jesus Christ is right there with him. He is still in control. He has always been in control and he will always be in control. Now look at this psalm. Is Jesus Christ God's anointed turning the other cheek to this arrogant rebellion of sinful man? Far from it, my friend. He ain't turning no other cheek here. He's meeting rebellious sinners face to face and toe to toe. They only think they've got the upper hand, but they will soon find out differently. God actually laughs at the sinner's puny effort to dethrone him. Can the, can the ant say to the elephant, I will crush you? This is a call for puny man to reconsider his ways. The cause of action they have taken to rebel against God and his word is not only irrational, irrational it is total insanity. It's an Owen situation. But the God of the world has so blinded their eyes against the truth, they do not realize it. They really think they can win. But then next, the sovereign God speaks. But this time he speaks 
in his wrath. The text says in verse 5, look at it carefully. Then shall he speak. He's done one thing. He's proclaimed his ridicule. Now he's going to speak again. But this time, not just to reveal knowledge. Now he is going to speak in wrath. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath. And vex them in his sore displeasure. Did you see that? This is talking about Jesus Christ. The anointed one. This is talking about Jesus Christ now dealing with rebellious, unrepentant sinners. He will vex them in his sore, disple in, in his sore displeasure. Another version says, Then he angrily speaks to them and terrifies them in his rage. I translate that in Bahamian knees. He scares the pants off them. And you can be sure that he will do that to any and everyone who dares to taunt and jeer at him by willfully and deliberately flaunting the rebellion against him in his face. My friends, the scriptures are still true when it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Even if it takes a little while to do so because of his grace and because of his long suffering. But it's still a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And listen, in this passage, this is an angry Jesus Christ. Don't lose sight of that. People today shun and even fear saying that God still judges us for our sins. It's just not the politically correct thing to say in this age of compromise and a distorted sense of intolerance. But friends, I say to you, on the basis of the word of God and not the word of man, political correctness be gone. God does, is, and will continue to judge individuals, countries, and nations for rebelling against his rule in their lives. Rebellious sinners, both unlearned and learned, rich and poor, may not like to hear about God's wrath and God's judgment for and against sin. But God speaks about it nonetheless, and he speaks about it very clearly. He will judge sinners for their sin if they do not repent and turn to him in humble sub submission to his lordship and sovereignty over them. And yes, yes, my friends, he does use so-called natural disasters to do so, to judge sinners. In fact, scriptures reveal to us that in the period we call the tribulation, it will be fueled by judgment that comes through natural disasters, earthquakes, volcanoes, um, or everything. Read the book of Revelation. Natural disasters God uses to judge those who rebel against him. He's been doing it since man began. And he's doing it today. Regardless to the political correctness of many preachers who fail. And fear speaking out in this way. How does God speak about this? What does he say? Listen to his words now. And please listen carefully. Because now you're going to get a picture of Jesus Christ that you don't normally get. Or you don't like to see. Listen to what he says in verse 6. 
I myself have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. What is he saying? The father is saying, I, the sovereign God, have set up my own king over you. He is the one to whom you must bow and pay allegiance. Listen to what he has to say. God is speaking about Jesus Christ. He's saying to the universe, he's saying to you and to me, he is your king. Bow to him or else. That's the message of the psalm. Verses 7 through 9 records the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Father's self-appointed king over us. This is what the king says. I will tell you what the Father, the Lord, decreed. He said to me, this is his authority. You are my son. This day I have, begotten your, I have become your father. You have only to ask me and I will give you the nations of the, as your inheritance. The ends of the earth as your personal property. You will break them. You will break them. You will break them with an iron scepter. You will smash them as if they were a potter's jaw. That's Jesus Christ speaking. And that's what he says he's going to do for all sinners who refuse to repent. You say, boy, you sound angry. I'm angry because Jesus Christ is angry about those and toward those who reject his word. It's as though Jesus Christ is, it's as though Jesus Christ is say, saying, you think you are your own king? I'll show you who's the real king. It's me. That's what he's saying here. And he's saying here, the sovereign God has given you to me. If you don't bow the knee voluntarily to me, I'll make you bow in my sovereign judgment. Friends, this is Jesus Christ speaking as king and sovereign to rebellious people who have and are conspiring to oppose and reject his kingship and sovereignty. He is no meek and mild Jesus Christ here. He is Jesus Christ the anointed one whom God has given to bring all men under submission to his rulership. Listen to verses 10 and 12 now. He says, Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. He's saying, now listen, stop behaving foolishly. Be wise and bow in humble submission. He's giving an invitation. Notice, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son. Did you see that? And it's right in the midst of threatened judgment. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way. And his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Remember I said there's hope, but it's conditioned hope. That means it's conditioned upon the repentance of the sinner. Repent. This is what he's saying. Respect and acknowledge God's sovereignty over you through Jesus Christ. Humble yourself under his mighty hand. Kiss the son now and experience his blessing. Or reject him and face his anger. Both now and in the future. Friends, that's the message of the psalm. And that's the message I proclaim. I'm not watering it down. I'm not compromising it. That's the word of God. That's the authoritative word of the sovereign God who still rules over the affairs of man. Friends, listen, I proclaim to you today. God the Father is still on the throne. And Jesus, God the Son, is right there with him. 
This is his remedy for the social and spiritual ills of the world, including the current social and spiritual ills of the Bahamas. What is it? Kiss the sun. Kiss the sun and experience his blessings or continue to reject him and face his wrath. That's the message of condition, peace, and hope from our sovereign God. And I'm one of his ambassadors beseeching you in his stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Kiss the Son. Become a part of his family because you've bowed the knee to the God of the universe. God is still on the throne and Jesus Christ is right there with him. Selah. Think and act on these things.